0: This is making it here and there. Welcome to the show.
1: Laffy is a creative force who uses art as a means of joy, serenity, education, awareness, and social impact. They are currently the program manager for The Other Side, a cross-cultural exchange of dramatic storytelling among girls and gender diverse youth. They use their talents in the classroom and they support the nonprofit. When the pandemic began, they founded Keep It on the DL, a virtual mutual aid project connecting students, educators, parents, and caregivers worldwide with valuable resources and links. They're also a freelance artist, digital curator, and instructor. You can find their artwork and resources at www.dotcalm.com. And you can support them at patreon.com slash W-W-W-D-O-T-C-A-L-M.
0: Thank you, Lafie, for coming on, making it here and there. Uh, we got so much going on. Um, and I just really am excited to talk about all the various projects uh, that you're involved in. So why don't you just tell everybody uh, what initially sparked your interest in, in what you're doing in terms of art and teaching and just civic participation and, and non-binary um, activism and everything going on.
2: Well, I guess I would say that what's really um, sparked a lot of my interest today just are things I've always been interested in. Um, my dad used to draw little uh, little smiley faces on my fingers. Mm-hmm. And while the ink was still wet, I would like press it down on the paper and just like that. that's how I was able to start drawing because I would draw all around this little face. And actually I I, Paint portraits now, so I guess that's pretty appropriate. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I guess it really all starts with my parents and with my family. My, my family name is Luffy, Um, or in Jersey, people call us the Laffy family, and uh, there's a really strong moral compass there. So my family's always really joked about me being like the people's lawyer, or, like just always kind of thinking about the little guy, or like, you know, don't forget that this person might not feel included, or don't forget this person might. Be upset by that? <laughs> you know, those kinds of feelings really led me towards nonprofit work and, and using my creativity to further that.
0: Do you think you'd always go into this work um, just growing up from your family?
2: Um, well, when I was in kindergarten, they asked me it, what I wanted to be when I grew up, and I said a vegetarian so that I could take <laughs> <in my> <laughs> Um, so I guess, I, you know, not only was I very confused, but I, I also, I've always wanted to be a million in one thing. So mm-hmm. I think every year it kind of like switched out to something new, but was always in this realm of like either being really artsy or really helping people. And and in college, I finally found both. So. Mm-hmm. And what did you study in college? Well, I did, um, I did study music and theater. And then from there, I started studying women and gender studies, Mm -hmm. as well as nonprofit administration. So I did a bunch of internships at different nonprofits and um, eventually that landed me my job at the other side.
0: Yeah, so let's actually talk about the other side um, and what you're doing for education. Can you elaborate on your role?
2: Yeah, um, so I serve as a program manager. I started out as a lead teaching artist, which I think went to uh, like a community, assistant or communications assistant associate and then it developed into something else like a developmental assistant which turned into a program manager and um I'm really grateful to really like carved out these um this like growth path there I when I first started and I was even in my interview, was really excited about the idea of like maybe one day being closer to where Melanie was and where I was at being a teacher and she seemed really interested in, in teaching me a lot about her job and how she was able to build it up. And I feel like I've gotten more and more of a voice as it's gone along. So now I manage the programs that we put out, which is a really important role that needed to come up because all of our programs needed to shift once the pandemic happened. Like we communicated mostly remotely, but our students learned in person. And so this was a huge, huge change
0: now you know and just to for everybody out there who you know who i hope has been watching the melanie interviews that i did last season uh you know the other side is a cross-cultural exchange um, through theater and, and building confidence and and leadership you know how do you fulfill this mission in your role
2: well for me i really want to keep in mind every single person so whether that's keeping in mind how a teacher would feel you know uh delivering this lesson or how a student might feel being on zoom for an hour or how a student might feel who's having trouble with internet or just like having trouble at home so a lot of my work is just thinking about all those little tiny facets of the program and making sure that everyone is really getting the most out of their participation i just want everyone to feel like they belong
0: yeah, and I feel like that's something that you know. I know I talked with Melanie, of course, but like it's, you know, there's definitely challenges that you you know I feel like is is isn't well known. I mean, if if you live in the suburb or whatever, you go to school, it's you're doing your thing. But in especially like urban settings, um, such as the Bronx, or you know the rural settings like in India, it's it's very challenging to to meet like you said just the basic requirements of just having internet or. <laughs> or having enough money to, to buy the supplies and, and whatnot. It's, it's crazy.
2: Yeah, actually, um, one of the newer programs that we have, we have three new programs, or I guess two new programs and one revamped. Um, but one of our new programs is the student resource fund. So our students are able to apply for like, I guess you could say a micro grant. And um, during that application process, they just kind of tell us more about the dreams that they've uncovered or or been able to discuss in class and we're able to give them like a solid amount of money to achieve that goal because I think it's important that we're like literally putting our money where our mouth is and and really able to take some of the donations that we're getting and like putting that back into the community and really serving them and empowering them so that they can stay a part of our program and that they can keep giving out this message of like empathy and connecting with others and you can't do that in a dark room and you can't do that you know like crying because you're not able to take the bus to your internship um I've definitely been there I didn't ask my parents for a single penny when I was in school and like there were days where I had three dollars in my account and like mm-hmm. eat chips for dinner or like had to take a bus to rehearsal and that was all the money I had left um and I think that when you encourage people to achieve their dreams you have to remember too that it's not just about believing in yourself like it's also also like redistributing wealth and, and really redistributing what we've got so
0: and like you said and then it's a ripple effect because um this you know student is able to to at least like you said live out um or i say live out but you know live <laughs> Get to do get to do this passion whatever it ends up being so yeah. if it's theater if it's art, or if it's um you know helping at yeah, a nursing home or whatever it ends up being it's yeah. it, it's putting you said it's putting something positive out there and that might inspire somebody in in that circle and then that person in that circle can inspire somebody else in their family and then that person you know it'd be like you said it just kind of ripples out so that's really Absolutely. sweet um, so in in addition to that, um, this the fund, uh, what are the other projects that you know you're specifically working on for the other side?
2: Um, well, we have a podcast as well. It's called The Sisterhood Podcast, and maybe Melanie talked about it a little bit, um, but this podcast is something that has been a, a staple part of our um, organization for a while, and she's just gotten a little bit of a technological facelift. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the structure is going to be a little bit different. There's going to be questions um, based off of our curriculum that the students can choose from to ask each other. Um, also, like practicing consent, we tell the students, like, pick any questions that you don't want to answer, let us know. Um, And we're going to have the conversation facilitated by a new guest every episode, which will just be an inspiring community member that we really look towards and and people that we genuinely do teach them about every day. Um, And the third program is the leadership training program, which I'm really excited about. I, I really want to to spread our curriculum to to more than just our classroom. I think that so many people, when I talk to them about our curriculum and I talk to them about what they're doing, they want to be involved too. So this is a way of sharing our curriculum, sharing our activities, and really sharing our, our teaching techniques as well with not just educators, but also community members and caregivers. So I really wanted to keep them in mind. And, you know, there's plenty of parents, grandparents and aunts and uncles that really just need uh, ways to have fun and and ways to connect with other people and especially virtually right now. So those are the uh, pretty much all of our programs that are coming up and relaunching.
0: And that and that's the keep it on the DL the uh when you just talked about or is that something well different?
2: keep it on the DL is actually something that i created on my own and okay. that was just in response to struggles that people around me were having to distance learning whether that was my students or friends of mine that were parents or other educators that I knew so I wanted to create like an online hub where I can share out scholarships, resources, tips, activities, and there's like a growing resource form also um, that people can add to or take from whenever they need. And I
0: think that's really nice because I feel like, you know, it's it's hard enough having like children or, or or taking care of children whether they're your children or or, or you could say you're a caregiver it, it's hard to just find things to do to keep kids not just watching tv or like, being on the computer or i don't know like the kids these days have ipads which i feel like is just insane <laughs> but i don't know i didn't i never computer to i was like 12. so but you know you know what i mean like it's easy to plop your kid in front of a screen as opposed to i mean if you're gonna pop in front of a screen at least have it be something that's at least somewhat inspiring or educational it doesn't have to be anything super deep, but yeah. um, just get the creative juices flowing because that's, you know, you have to have sometimes, you have to entice, I feel like with children, you have to entice some sort of thinking on your own or at least coming up with ideas on your own. It doesn't have to be necessarily right or wrong or perfect, but I feel like that's mm-hmm. where it's, it's difficult with, with children. Cause it's just, there's so many influences out there. You Yeah. Make
2: sure I think it's hard to, for parents or, I mean, it's hard for caregivers, for siblings, for educators to just like find ways to, to connect with kids and like to play with them. Like, it's also hard to figure out how do you even play with kids? Because uh, one thing the other side taught me was that imagination is literally a skill. Like it's a muscle that you grow and that we're very lucky to have that muscle. Not everyone has Like some people are really discouraged from that. I mean, we have, we have some activities that I remember some of my students in India, like could not even wrap their heads around. Like we, we do an activity where one person is an employee. The other person is like an assistant and the assistant has to find like a silly reason why they can't do a task. Um, like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't um, get all the papers printed out. There's a bunch of crickets in my apartment and we're having a pizza party and I don't want to miss it. And so, like, you know, you just think of something silly and and they, like, couldn't get it. And so Melanie was like, oh, it's it's like a really big part of their culture to, like, really respect the people you work for. So this is a game that just, like, doesn't make sense. And imagination is not, like, an activity you do at school. So I was like, oh. Okay, like I didn't realize I thought it was just like a kid thing, but it's learned. So I I really try to put things out there that even the parent who like has a hard time sitting there and building Legos can also do. Um, And also keeping in mind people that are disabled as well, who, you know, may have the best Wants and desires for their kids, but like just ability wise, it's easier to put an iPad in front of somebody because Nothing you're seeing out there is made in a way that you you can do that for your kids So I really just try to keep everyone in mind in that sense and and share out the work that people are putting out there And not so much like creating that content myself
0: And I mean, I feel like you you already hit the nail with the the, (laughs) kind of the next question I had but uh, I'm gonna ask it anyway I feel like there's more, there's more, um, you know, what, what other topics are you just super passionate about with the other side and, and even keep it, um, on the DL?
2: Um, well, yeah, just, just like I was saying, I guess for me, um, Really noticing how ableism exists and really takes away from our society in so many ways is something I'm really passionate about. Um, I live with chronic pain. I'm in pain every day. I'm like generally at a seven, and just like living um and, and so like this kind of myth that like disabled people just like they all have to be taken care of by somebody and they like can't do things and mm-hmm. and it's just like not true and I've found more and more that a lot of the disabilities that people have is about the world not being made in any kind of way that like they can access it so it's more so that like able-bodied people just like have a world that's made for them and then a lot of other people don't so I I really try my best in the activities that we do to always put little little asterisks like make sure you give other options right and like sometimes a student has a disability and doesn't know I can't tell you how many times as a teacher I've seen a student who like should be evaluated for autism and their parents just like would not want they they just don't want to accept that. They don't want that mm-hmm. to be the truth. Um and so because of that, you have kids who like just don't have the tools that they need to to succeed and to thrive um because they're not being acknowledged as who they are. So as a teacher, I really try to implement that with everybody. Like not everyone who needs an adjustment is going to ask for it. So it's always good to have other options or just um your really routes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's funny, you should, it's interesting you say about, I mean, I just feel like sometimes even things in our world, right, learn that they say world, like just society, even as like, an, not even say even as an able-bodied person, but some things, I was actually just talking about this about like, remember how in school, like they give you like, you would use like the restroom or like, you know, there'd be a break between classes, like that yes. would be like, the only short time you could have to like, use the restroom. Mm-hmm. Like if you tried to ask to use it during class, like forget it. yeah. But like someone like me or like i don't know I'm just getting like maybe too tmi but like <laughs> like that wasn't always like okay like i don't know yeah. it, it, it's it's incredible like really i was just talking to somebody about this like remember how like you only had like a minute to like use the restroom like that's not always not I mean, i'm not talking about putting on like makeup or i mean this is like when i was in great like catholic school like it wasn't like yeah. you know something s- silly like it's
2: i don't know like yeah, actually, that, that's funny you say that when I was in, I mean, this was a teacher. I loved her. I still remember her name is Menzella. If you're out there, I love her. <laughs> um, she was such a sweetheart. But like, she also had a very strict bathroom policy. And I think I really had to go. I was in second grade. And she said, um, give me a moment after I finish this. And I'm like, I'm painfully polite and so I just she never remembered and so I just kind of kept quiet and was like I'm not going to interrupt her and so eventually I went to the bathroom without going to the bathroom and um later on went to the doctor and I realized I had bladder issues like from when I was a really young child and I didn't realize and so thankfully you know my mom the teacher and was like hey like you know this isn't really a great policy to have because like right. you never know and like we didn't know but now we know and you know there may be other students who have problems and and you're just like gonna put them in a really bad spot <laughs> yeah,
0: it's already like a topic like nobody really wants to talk about but it's like
2: yeah, it's the little it's things. like basic human like right <laughs> totally. human yeah. function yes nothing bothers me more than children being seen as like second class in our community or like not even being acknowledged as part of the community because look at this pandemic where kids have been not even given a, cho- a choice on whether they're going to school or not we've talked about whether parents are tired right yeah. but like have we talked about how exhausting it must be to imagine having to go to work and then not go to work and then go again and then not go it's like really exhausting and and I think that it proves they're just as much a part of our community in this conversation as um as anybody else absolutely
0: oh it's (laughs) it's getting good um what has been your biggest challenge in this role with uh the pandemic or or Um, i know there's there's probably many many, (laughs) but what would you say like
2: Yeah. I would say say the number one thing for me actually was, um, I'm trying to not get emotional, but uh, just, I mean, there was like one week where we were going into school and I remember a lot of my students being like, oh, this sucks. We're going to have a whole week off. And I was like, it's fine. It's going to be a couple days and we're all going to see each other and it's not going to be a big deal. And we were, we were actually practicing for our final showpiece at that time. And this was like the class of students that just, I mean, I've had so many kids and, and I love them all the same, but this class just completely touched my heart. We had some of the most bare bones conversations together and learned so much as a unit. And um, just like, I might not ever see them again. You know, so that I have to say that honestly, that was really my biggest challenge because I had to—I mean, I just had to immediately start crafting a curriculum to be virtual and like say hello to new students and just, you know, keep going. And so the, I think that was really, really hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that got to
0: be even really difficult too. Like you said, you're getting a whole new batch of students, and they're all virtual. So you—do do you feel like something was? It, I, I now was this. When did this? start or when did this end and start?
2: Well, I guess it was almost exactly a year ago now. Oh, okay. This all happened in March and I would, I would say like with my new students, I don't feel like, oh, I can't connect with them as much because it's virtual. I don't, I don't personally feel that way. I mean, I'm sure many teachers do, but I don't. um, I think there are some ways that I can't show up for them anymore and that's really challenging. Like that really breaks my heart. Um, Like I have a memory of my my last class when we were in person and i had a student that she was like acting so tired and she like had such a brain fog she couldn't even focus on the task so i brought her aside and i'm like what'd you have for breakfast and she's like oh my god oh my god i didn't even have anything i forgot i'm like oh my gosh hold on so i go to my prayers and i always have like a little granola bar or, like a fruit or something for my kids in case that i notice that they're hungry or tired and like those are those little things that like i just I can't do that anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah you're not, and yeah. oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> so I miss I miss helping my kiddos in like a more active sense.
0: Yeah, and I mean, what what does the future look like? I mean, for the other side in terms of is it? I know it's probably you know what they call it, just a day by day. But but <laughs> you what What are the plans?
2: Our plans for now are really to just stay remote. i I think that now we now we've mastered how to to work virtually, and I think to a point where where now we're like, oh, this is literally better. This is actually okay. better. Because um, because our students were learning in in person, like our students in India, let's say they had the class Tuesdays at three at three o'clock. Mm-hmm. Our Bronx students might have the class Wednesdays and Fridays at 2. Like, it really depended on the specific school or organization or wherever it was that we were mm-hmm. working out of, like, an after-school program. Um, it would go off of their schedule. So when we held our own classes, we were able to say, like, do you guys want to meet up at, like, 8 p.m. <laughs> and, like, yeah. have a movie night? <laughs> and just, like, do things that we would never have been able to do in a school or like during school hours. So um, I think that that's our plan for now. And as we have the leadership program, we're starting new sister circles, which will just be, I think they're monthly. I'm sorry, Melanie, if I'm wrong. Um, I think that they're monthly and um, all of the teachers, uh, all the educators that take part in the leadership training program, they can invite their students. So we're gonna have like kids from all over the world, all over New York, really cool. So speaking of
0: New York, I'm going to pivot a little. I'm going to pivot. Um, sure. we're, allowed, we're allowed. to pivot. Um, <laughs> you're doing. You're doing a lot of stuff. And when you, when you were telling me all little like the things you were doing, I was like, what are you working on?" You're like, "I'm doing this, this, this." It. I'm like, oh, I, "Oh, yeah, This is going to be like an hour podcast." Going, so. But it's good. It's good. And I and I think that's really nice that you are working on so many different. It's all. It's all related. You know, kind of all falls under the same larger umbrella, but it's kind of like this, they kind of all like kind of intersect and overlap, but are yeah. working on a research project for, um, about civic participation with um, mm-hmm. people of color. So can you um, tell us a little bit more about that?
2: Yeah, sure. So um, I actually was asked to do this by, I and now she's a really good friend, uh, Loudon. Uh, She is a researcher who just graduated from Rutgers New Brunswick and she had worked on her own research project um, discussing with Black, Indigenous, and People of Color elders on what got them started in civic participation. What does it mean to them, and like what what actually did they do? Um, and my job is being a digital curator, so really putting together the website, organizing everything, and just thinking of the best and most accessible practices for like putting it out there. So whether that's promoting it, um, having it live in other on other websites or in other. Schools. Um, so that's really my purpose. I guess you could say I'm I've created, maybe it's a new role or something. Um, but you know, when my friend told me about this, she was like, I want your help and I don't really know how, but I need your help with getting it out there. And so this is kind of what we thought up as, you know, making this a, a curatorial kind of jo- job. So.
0: Now, is this just, um I, can, I can't remember, and correct me if i you told me and I forgot. No, is this just for New York or was this like con- like nationwide? Um,
2: I believe that she had collected interviews from people in the tri-state. Okay. I think more specifically New Jersey and New York, but okay. she had said tri-state, I believe. Yeah. Okay.
0: And that's one of those things like you, you could branch off. I mean, if they really took off, you could do like more and more, mm-hmm. and, more and more and more and
2: more. These stories are amazing. And I, I really, I can't wait to share them with you and to share them with the greater world. I feel like, you know, oral history is, I mean, as you know, with this podcast, it's really important. I, I always tell my students like storytelling is so important because you get to build on what people look back on and they see. And so when you look back at history and you're like, this is BS, who the hell wrote this shit? you can make that difference for the, for the right now, right? Like the more words you put out there and the more of the thoughts you share, the more you're part of what people look back on. So um, yeah, I hope I hope it grows too.
0: And you know what's great, you know what, I say what's great, what's great about this project, but what, what like is, you know, I, I don't, I never read this book, but it is like the like lies my teacher told me, or like, you know, you feel like you're in history class and you're in the same history <laughs> Over, yeah. oh, you know, every, every year you learn like the same things. It's like, you know, you learned about like the Egyptians, and then like next thing you know, it was like the Revolutionary War. <laughs>
2: but,
0: like, well, yeah, yeah, that's how I feel like when, when like, the Egyptians, like, evol- Revolutionary War, Civil War, World War One, World War Two, and get it ended mm-hmm. out like World War II. It was like always like, I feel like every year was like the same. Yeah. And you, and you miss so, and there's so much other history out there that like just gets like lost in the sauce. Like they, yes. they don't you. I don't know who comes up with this curriculum, I'm not saying it's necessarily bad, and I know there's different teachers that are better than others, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking <laughs> because I, you know, I'm just speaking from personal experience, but I'm sure other, I don't know what other states do, but it's like, it, like, you go on, like, these, like, history, uh, Instagram accounts, and you're like, why did not they tell us about this? I mean, it might even be right? not necessarily going to be the, the best and most interesting thing to me, but I mean, I wish I still knew about it. I mean, because I, I, I'm not going to go there and like pull out books from the library to say oh, I'm going to like, but like these little like stories that exist in this world, like, yo, know, we screwed up like 10 times over. Like, we had just read that the last time, like, maybe we wouldn't yes. have done it again, you know? know. It's just.
2: I wish, like, I wish I could clone myself so that I could have a million jobs because I, I'm seriously I'm so interested in like a million things and one of those things is definitely history and I wish I could be a history teacher but I teach the whole thing like I'm Wendy Williams and I'm like in the corner <laughs> and I'm like oh mm, Christopher Columbus you know like there's so much juicy details to this don't
0: even, don't even get me started I'm like over it I know. Like, like I'm over it like it's, 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 gotta, it's gotta stop, it's gotta stop. I enough of him. And I'm telling sure you, him. I went to his, house, I, w- I went to his, like, alleged house, which is, like, Wow. Yeah, it's, it's in Genoa. Honestly, the ceiling is, like, it's, like, five feet. Like, the, like, I have to, like, crash it again. They're, like, everyone there wants have been, like, and uh, this isn't getting much short people. It's just, like, it's just interesting, because you're, like, really, like, <laughs> they, they could have made wow. the ceiling tall. Uh, but they say, I don't know how tall he was. Maybe I think he was supposedly short, but wow. I don't know
2: back then too so. well i'm 411 so if anyone brings him back i'm fully willing to can i say beat his ass i'm willing yeah. to beat his ass.
0: You, you could do like celebrity death match
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> and you can make even the claymation
0: uh figurines i don't know what you call it but there
2: you go That's like, see that's another thing i i'm interested in <laughs> claymation <laughs>
0: stop motion
2: but yeah, yeah i mean it's like i
0: don't you go to i don't know I don't wanna talk about Christopher Columbus because we're talking about you and how cool you are and I'm gonna talk about him, but we can talk about you like beating him up. have you fun, should do it. Um, now nah, I lost my train of thought, but I didn't wanna talk about, actually now we'll, we'll segue to all the art you've been doing. So, so you're working as like a freelance artist. Now what, you know, if somebody wants to commission you, what what, what are the types of work that you do for anybody, anybody
2: who commissioned you? Um, well, I mostly work doing portraits. I love, um, I don't know if I'm like uh, the New Jersey medium or like mm-hmm. if I have to go pre-order my acrylics, but <laughs> I, I love <laughs> I love doing portraits of people who you know aren't on this earth anymore. I love doing tribute pieces. They're really near and dear to me. And I just feel so, like I'll literally be weeping like painting these oh, um, because I just feel like I could just, feel, you know, like I just feel that person that I'm painting and um, I just feel um, very in tune with like why the painting is being made and there's just like a lot of feeling in it. Actually, I have a portrait piece here that I painted of my mentor who passed in in the past year and he was really instrumental to me being being aware of many hats, I guess you could say. And um, so I mostly do these kind of portraits. It's like... um, Sort of line style. Let me see if I can get it out of the light.
0: Yeah, because you you have like
2: a plastic on it. Yeah. 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 Get it out of there. Oh there we go. it's like and it's weird because
0: it's like the detail is there, but yet it does it's like it you you did the thing. I don't know, you did like the impression. (laughs) You can
2: see the the detail close up,
0: but far away it looks.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I I tried to work against like realistically, but also maintaining like my, my creativity and really uh, attaining my, my style, which is really based on like really delicate lines and just building on those lines. And um, that, because of that, I, I really love working on clothing. So I am working on some commissions right now of like some jackets and just like applying someone's really cool design onto jackets and hand painting them. Um, I don't, I never thought I could say this, but my commissions are actually closed right now. I know, oh. I know. Um, but I've, I'm hopefully gonna be opening them back up in the summer. For now, I'm pretty booked up, which is like such a blessing. I'm so grateful that it got to this point because um, I guess I just never really thought I could get here. I think a lot of artists feel that way. When they start, it's really hard to start having clients. It's really hard to believe in yourself enough to ask for what you're worth. Like, um, especially being a person of color, being a non-binary person, there's just like a lot of reasons why someone like me would really like sell themselves short. So I've thankfully had a lot of good mentors along the way to really be like, oh, no, 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 (laughs) you know, really value yourself. So yeah, just staying on that really
0: um going back to about the portraits of a deceased um person or or people what like what i'm just trying to think of the question because i didn't i didn't put this in my little question questionnaire but um like how do you channel that energy into the the piece that you're doing do you and then what do what what pieces do you use for it do you just use photographs do you use descriptions from the person who's commissioning you or or how does how does that work or both
2: um well i always ask the person to um send me if they have a main photo send me that photo um, it's good to send other references because you can get a really nice feel for personality. So let's say if I, uh, like I was working on a portrait of my grandfather and I know him to be such a little sweetheart and he looks so serious in this picture. So I just added like the tiniest bit of a lift. So, it, so as to not really be a smile, but like a Mo- Mona Lisa smile. Yeah. Um, these kinds of like small details are really important Unlike really giving it the life that that person is looking for. Um, I really try to think about what it is that prompted that person to commission this portrait. So like this portrait I just showed you, for example, I made this because I I was thinking about completing my last year at school and I had such a, a breakdown thinking about how I would never see him in his office again. Mm. and so painting something that I could put in his office and that like so many people who loved him so much still can like have that like going to his office um so just like thinking of those things like what's what's the purpose like what is this supposed to make you feel or the person watching feel and um and I love to hear about people's personalities but I feel like no matter how little or how much information a person gave me i can totally feel it like i've painted portraits before where i can hear someone's grandma being like if you don't hurry Mm -hmm. up i'm like okay Um, (laughs) everyone has a really strong personality and and i think that you know um really staring at someone's face and and maybe even looking at someone for as long as they've been looked at by people who love them with all their heart like you you really learn you you see the little freckle on their cheek that they, you know, share with their daughter, or a little frow line that tells you, you know, that they were a pensive thinker. Um, so just paying attention to little things.
0: And what would you say the most important takeaway is from from your art?
2: Mm. Um, I guess for me, in everything that I do, is just like, just to slow down enough to pay attention. <laughs> i i really want people to feel um calm i really want people to feel calm i i think there's so much in this life that um causes stress i think there's so much in this life that's just like feels like just never-ending grief honestly so um if i can make something that uh can immortalize someone you know so that your grandpa's always in your living room (laughs) or um i can paints your your favorite inspiration and turn it into a whole coloring book. And that's what you know, you go to at the end of the day when you're stressed, like, I, I guess it's like permanence and relief.
0: And what is there any other like art that you you said you were working on the clothing? Was there any other types of art that you work on? Or you're, or actually, you know, what, is there any other interesting work that are artwork that you want to do that you haven't mm-hmm. quite done yet? I know they probably
2: look a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I really love uh, curating. So I curated my first art show when I was like seventeen, and I did that in Jersey. And then I was lucky enough to um, I entered a contest for the Living Gallery in Brooklyn, and I was able to curate a three day show there, which was like such a. <sighs> um, and so I guess like I m- my ultimate dream would be to curate a show where it's just me, which like. That sounds really crazy. I love, like, giving other people the microphone, you know? Um, So I guess I would be kind of vulnerable. But I would love to create a show that's um, all about my family and um, create a specific art piece based off of, like, that one person in my family. I I create a lot of art about them and they just like I mean their name is my name. I changed my name to my family name Laffey. Um I really carry them with me everywhere I go. So I would really love to share that one day. And
0: I feel like that brings a full circle because you said that's where you started from. I mean literally (laughs) but (laughs) biologically but like Yeah yeah but that's who you that you said that that's made that started it all was was your family and your like you said, your father drawing the smiley face on your on your finger
2: yeah it really does I um my family I think that for me my family has just taught me so much about life so much about letting go so much about like how relationships don't have to be perfect to be really beautiful um uh I mean be, being a queer person growing up in my family is a very very Christian family I mean you, I can point out anyone in my family and be like, youth pastor, elder, teenager. you know, like everyone's something in the church or like studies Hebrew and theology at school. Shout out to Nicole and CM. Hey. Um, <laughs> and and I guess I can be sort of a black sheep, but in my own way, like I still feel um, like I find heaven in them. Right? Mm-hmm. So I, I just have my own spirituality and my own um, view of the same thing and i that taught me a lot like there were a lot of days where you're stressed and you want to talk to someone and they're like pray about it And oh. that's really frustrating and annoying but uh, when i started in my head like thinking about it more from what would comfort me like i guess really what they were saying is like just just think about it you know spend your time and just think about it and really put it out there like i i can take that in right so like i just kind of had to morph the words they were saying into something that I can hold on to a little better not let them like slip out of my hands because it didn't feel like it was for me so I really love them a lot mm. <laughs> it's,
0: like, it's, it's nice I think like that's really like you said it's no, nobody's family is perfect I mean but we all came I mean for better or for worse, we all came from somewhere, so and those experiences have shaped us but doesn't mean that it has to define us necessarily Probably. and um I think that's you know that's that's i feel like the lesson I feel like as a society we're learning, but we're we're getting there it's still taking some time, but we're we're getting there, but we need we definitely society needs more people like like you who are yeah. just, you're you you're very nurturing, you're trying Thank to you. bring out the best of it of everybody and trying to create that nice little ripple joy cool. and he said calm um mm-hmm. so just um can you just let everybody know what uh you know ways to find you ways to find your art i know you're not taking commissions but you know mm-hmm. have it that you want yeah. to talk about
2: um well i have a tongue twister on a website if you can follow it's www c a l m w.com. <laughs> <dot com. laughs> um, so I can be reached through there. I also have my Instagram, which is also www.com. And um, sorry, that that's just the beautiful sounds of the Bronx. Uh, <laughs> like loud noises. Um, <laughs> like if, if you're looking for me, just shout in the Bronx, you'll find me.
0: that out of a window. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, but you can support me through my Patreon, which again is w.com. Um, And I'm in the process of, I guess, like we were saying earlier, just, like, revamping, rebranding, and really thinking about how I can be even more vulnerable with what I'm putting out there. I've gotten a lot of feedback um, from people that it would be helpful if I made videos and that, like, it would make things more accessible. Uh, I did go to school for, like, to be a theater major, but that doesn't mean I'm not shy. So I'm really just trying to... (laughs) to like understand that you know that is what my community wants from me and it is I I suppose that like people like speak with me so I I want to put that out there more so I guess just keep your eyes peeled for um what I have coming up and hopefully making a a lot more interactive content
0: awesome well you gotta share these videos with me so I can share them (laughs) yeah
2: definitely thank you
0: with my circle and uh (laughs) just thank you so much and like I can't wait to see what you got coming out
2: Yeah, thank you. And thank you so much for having me. I really appreciated talking with you in this interview. And just, you know, um, I was really surprised about all the feelings I felt going through these questions. So really thanks a lot for that. Thank
1: (laughs) you so much. Thank you for tuning in. If you're interested in being interviewed for making it here and there, please send an email to mihatpodcast at gmail.com.
0: Making It Here and There is an interview series focusing on ways in which individuals are using communication across borders and across cultures to achieve understanding, learning, and overall consciousness of the world around us.